Our opinions aren't too tough, rough, or gruff. We are proof that you don't have to be an expert to have an opinion. So just... Shut up and sit down. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. This is Sports Stuff with Jim and Muff. Ooh, that was a good one. I felt the heat on that one, Muff. That was good. Feeling the heat. The heat, just like the heat in the basketball tournaments right now. Ooh, buddy. It's a good one. March turning Madness up. is on. Turning up, turning up. Not just March Madness, Jim. All of the tournaments, including women's. Oh, I'm calling them both March Madness. It's, it's all the madness. Just because Mark won't, I'm going to. All right. We've got a, a great episode for you all this fine day. We have a couple different uh, guests this week. It's a good one. This is a unique episode. I like this episode. This this one goes all over the place, people. Buckle up, strap in, do what you got to do for this guy. <clears throat> so a uh, little, little update real quick uh, in, our, in our bracket challenge for the men's tournament. None other than the orange beanbag himself, Nate, is on top right now and still has his winner left. So he still has the opportunity to win the whole thing. And what all they win, Jim? They win. A magical limited edition series one decal sticker from our show. He wins a bottle of liquor, a small bottle. If he wins, a small bottle of liquor of my choosing, and a sample pack of Maestro's hot sauce. Maestro's. Let me tell you what, I got to make an order for myself. So I really need March Madness to be over so I can make this bulk order for the winner and myself because I need my garlic sauce. You need the garlic one? That's when you're going oh, with? Muddy. Eggs without garlic sauce right now is killing my groove. Oof. Speaking of grooves, I don't, yep. this, is, this may not be a good transition, but uh, have at it. You just don't know what to do with your hands, and it's okay. That's what I don't know what to do with my hands. Uh, we have a movie contest again. Uh, this time with a good movie by Will Ferrell, Talladega Nights. Oh. The good oh. one. Oh. In honor of Bristol going to dirt. Hmm. I'm not going to talk about. I'm not going to talk about what you do with this. To, hey, uh, it's help my contest. Inflate your stats. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing the sticker prize for the best comments. And I just want to remind our winners, please tag us when you get the prize. Show us what you do with your sticker because we need to see what you're doing so we know that you get them frankly because i don't trust the mail so tag us when you get your sticker tag at sports Jim muff that's right also get pumped volume one has dropped i need to know if everybody likes it even if you hate it i just need to know some feedback let me know about what i'm doing in the lab if you like it please get pump volume one on spotify and you can visit Directly the link in our bio. Go through the link tree. Do it. I need to know. Let me know if my hard work was in vain. Please. I need Please. to know. Please. Just crush Jim's dreams now. That way we don't get to volume 10 and people are like, hey, we don't like this. Yeah. Don't let me get to 10 and you're like, hey, I don't know why you're doing this. Let me know <laughs> if the Jock Jams replacement is worth it. Muff, 
Yes. You are uh, doing some betting episodes with Alex. I, we we did do a betting episode for the first week, looking at the men's tournament, and uh, the second week of the men's tournament. So, how are my favorite degenerates doing? Well, um, so through the Sweet Sixteen games, I am right now five and two. Okay. Five and two with one more game left tonight. Um, so, you know, we, we're having a good run here. I don't know about Alex. I think Alex was on the wrong, different side of me on some of these. So Alex may, may not be doing as well. But I have, as I stated, bet on every game in the men's tournament thus far. Who'd you pick between UCLA and Alabama? Uh, that was one of the losses. UCLA Al- just upset Alabama. I, I, UCLA, the a play-in game, the play-in game, let's – Keep that in mind. They had to play in to get into the tournament and are in the Elite Eight. So, breaking news. UCLA just beat Bama. And uh, anything else we need to share as we uh, move on to the first segment of the episode, Moff? You know, this episode is sponsored by... New sponsor alert. New sponsor alert. No, 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 new sponsor alert. Keystone Lawn Services, your total lawn care partner. Is your least favorite spring activity making your yard look less like Jumanji and more like the hanging gardens of Babylon? Do projects like spring mulching, landscaping, lawn treatment, and aeration sound like way too much work? then you need to call the crew at Keystone Lawn Services, a locally owned and operated company with over 20 years of combined service experience, a group you can rely on for top-notch services and low prices. Based in Waynesburg, PA, Keystone Lawn Services provides services in and around Washington, PA, as well as Morgantown and Wheeling, West Virginia. Want to know more? Check out their website, keystonelawnservices.com, or check their social media through Instagram and Facebook at Keystone Lawn Services. Like what you see after taking a look? Then give them a call to get a quote on your next project at 724-998-8918. That's 724-998-8918. Or email them at info at keystonelawnservices.com. That's info at k-e-y-s-t-o-n-e lawnservices.com. And if you call and book your project before April 15th, you'll receive 10% off of your service. Remember, when a job looks like more than you want to tangle with, call Keystone Lawn Services. All right, everybody, we have a special treat today. Um, we've, you know, had the opportunity to uh, have some guests on in the past, some guests that have participated in different sports, uh, have done some different things throughout their athletic careers, as well as maybe in their professional careers as well. Today, we've got the special treat about a, a sport that uh, admittedly Jim and I did not know anything about until it kind of popped into our timeline one day. And we're like, hey, maybe this could be something we could chat about. So <clears throat> joining us today to talk about Major League Quidditch is Juan Martinez, who is the coach of the Austin Outlaws. Um, a little bit about Juan. He played, played six years, um, has won the last three national tournaments uh, and previously managed a couple other teams within the major league Quidditch. So uh, welcome Juan. Thanks for joining us today and glad you could be on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's uh, 
first time I get to be on a podcast actually talking about the sport. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're, we're glad to be able to offer that opportunity. And, you know, maybe we can do this again um, later on. But uh, just to kind of get into this, you know, uh, we'll get into the sport a little bit of itself, uh, I think, or kind of through this conversation. But, um, you know, for you, how did how did you get into this sport? Um, what what got you interested? And, um, you know, did you kind of hear this from a friend? Did it kind of just one of those things like, hey, this is going on. I wanted to give it a shot. So for you, how did you get involved in Quidditch? Yeah, my story is actually a little bit weird. Um, I'm an older player. I'm 34 years old, so I'm like at the high end of the age range. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I explain what Quidditch is to you, it's it's a pretty weird sounding sport. But if you live in Austin, you know, like our slogan is that we're a weird city. And so I was actually playing a much weirder sport. And um, <laughs> I, I found it on Meetup and I was actually trying to recruit somebody that I ran into at that. It was called Field Mojo. I, I saw this really athletic, uh, really athletic woman. And I was like, you know what? I actually play soccer on the weekends too. So I'm going to go see if I can recruit her. And she just kind of, I walked up and I was like, hey, do you want to play soccer? And she like looked me up and down and like shook her head. And she was like, do you want to play Quidditch instead? And I was like, well, that's why not? So um, it was just the most random of chances that I just happened upon this group of people who were starting up a Quidditch team. Um, and so, yeah, I just kind of stuck with it. And I'm exactly the kind of person that you want who's just going to like show up and then at some point become obsessed with it. And so now I like manage and coach and like run all these extra things that just take up way too much time. I do podcast interviews about it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit too old to play it, but um, that's why I'm third string, fourth string kind of guy, but I'm, I'm just as happy to be on the team as it is to do anything else in my life. So, so with the sport, it derived from Harry Potter, if I'm right. Yeah, it's, it's straight out the book. Um, you know, we're, we're starting like, season 15 season 16 i'm gonna get in trouble for not knowing that but we're, we're like 16 years old at this point um if you look at it sort of broken out into like thirds the first five or six years was pretty closely related to what you think of a harry potter sport there were capes and the brooms with the bristles and lots of whimsy as we, we like to call it in our community um the snitch if you know the story of, of, of how that that actual ball is played in, in the real game um it had a, a whole lot of folklore around it and just rules that don't make any sense in today's modern sports world but um the next five years was this like uprising of sort of the collegiate athletes and so there's like a three to four window three to four year window where all those athletes sort of graduated and wanted to continue playing and then you see the rise of like the community teams and that's kind of been the last five years okay so would you go ahead i'm gonna interject here um so i remember you know, there was a time um, I work in higher education. So I work at a college and Jim and I worked together at one point at, at the same college. And I remember there being a discussion where there was a student that like transferred from, and I forget where the student transferred from a different school and they came in and I remember them talking about wanting to like start like a Quidditch club and me being like, wait, what? <clears throat> and I was never big into Harry Potter, but I knew what quit the Quidditch part was. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, wait, I, I need this explained to me. Like, how does this work? Because, and I got a little bit of explanation, but that was like my first exposure to this happening. And I was like, I was baffled because I was like, wait, this is, this is real. And they're like, yeah, there's, you know, and, you know, being from from this area, West Virginia, Pennsylvania area, this was not something that was happening around here. So it was like, you know, there was people who were like, oh, what do you what do you mean that we're not doing that? That's that's dumb or that's stupid. And I'm just like, yeah, I, 
I'm just interested now is where I was. So that's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool how things kind of just grow like that. Yeah. It had a period where there were, I, I don't know the numbers now, but we, we had this massive explosion of just college teams popping up all over the country. And we sort of have seen that shrink over the last few years, which is a concern we have as people who are trying to get the sport going. Um, but just pitching people on it, like it's hard to get people to come out for a lot of these colleges, getting that recruitment going. Um, it's sort of been it's hit or miss, but the pandemic's kind of helped or hurt just depending on your regional, like the, the students in that area. Um, but since so many people don't have anything to do right now, they're just sort of looking for that interaction with other college kids. So some teams are, are seeing more enrollment, some or you know, involvement and some aren't, but trying to pitch people to play Quidditch is a really hard thing to do. Um, cause it's just explaining it's weird and running with a stick between your legs is always weird. Um, you get really used, used to it really quickly, but right off the bat, if I just tell you like, hold the stick and run across that field, like it's, it's not an easy thing to sell. Right. Yeah, I would agree. But it seems to me very fun once you get it down. Like, once you understand the rules. So can you dive into the rules a little bit for our listeners? Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to have something in your head to start with, if you think of a game of dodgeball happening on the field at the same time, a game of, like, a mix between soccer and basketball or hockey, they kind of have, like, similar rule sets or, or, like, philosophies um but those are sort of two games that are happening on the same field at the same time and so you think of this as like um we have a quaffle game which consists of chasers and keepers um but basically the quaffle if you if you look in the harry potter lore it's like this ball with like indentations in it and we can't really make balls like that so we just use a volleyball that's been deflated um and so they can only really interact with that and then you have beaters on the field which in the old Harry Potter stories was like living balls that would try to just destroy people. And obviously we can't do that. So we just turned it into a game of dodgeball. And now these beaters have the ability to basically hold these dodgeballs and try to knock off um, everyone else in the field from their brooms. And if so, if you get hit with a beater or you get hit with that ball, you have to take your broom out from between your legs, run back to your hoops, tag in, and then you're back in play. But, you know, the traditional iconography of having three hoops on the field you're just trying to get that volleyball through those hoops. And that's where I say, like, you have this idea of sort of basketball or soccer. Like, you have a lot of strategy that goes into your positioning on the field, the passes, how you play defense. There's tackling in the game. Um, so you're throwing alley-oops. Somebody's flying through the air trying to catch it and dunk it while two people are, you know, covering a hoop. Um, so there's that basketball, soccer kind of concept. It's, it's interesting because, like, if you have hockey, you can go behind the net. You can't do that like in soccer. So it adds this like, like I, I spent years playing soccer and my philosophy was always like taken to the sideline and they run out of room eventually. Well, that's not really the case here. Like they'll just keep going around. So you're just like <laughs> chasing people for miles, it feels like. Um, but that whole quaffle game is happening on, 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 the, on the field. And then at the same time, the position that I actually play is a beater. And so when you have that dodgeball in your hand and you have two beaters on each team and there's only three balls. And so there's this built-in imbalance to the game where if you have two balls and the other team only has one, you have bludger control and you have just so much more ability to dictate what everyone on the field is doing. If you think of this blood, this beater position, is, I like to tell new players, it's the most powerful position that I've ever seen in any sport because they have the ability to take anybody off their broom, just take them out of the game. They, 
nobody tries to score if you're in the way. They don't even try. Um, unless you're like a new kid and you just think that you're Superman and then you just drive in on whoever you want. But it's just so much power built into this one position and it's got a built-in imbalance. So there's so much strategy that goes into that. And I could just, we, and we do film reviews, we do podcasts, we do discussions on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. So like you can put a lot of time into that, but that's sort of the general rule. Um, the high level, I spent sure. too much time on some of that, but that's, that's a general rule set. And then as far as, the season, from what we can see, runs from June 1st to August 30th for Major League Quidditch. Yes. So the season has sort of the regular season, and then we have a championship tournament. Um, so Major League Quidditch is – it fills this gap of the the normal college season, which is actually a separate uh, league called U.S. Quidditch. And that okay. one runs from basically September, August, all the way to April. Um, but it's it's crazy how regional variances you'll get through that because like the north and the northeast, they don't want to play in the snow basically. Right. And so they they kind of shut down in that winter season, where you know, down here in Texas it's 105 degrees all year round, so we'll play three hours every every weekend. College teams put a lot of time and effort into it, so um, just depending on where you're at, that season can look wildly different. All right. Well, I left out did. one part. Go ahead. I want to add that. I said there was two games happening at the same time. That happens for the first 20 minutes of a game. Yeah. I was, that was like the next thing yeah. I was going to do. I was like, there's this thing. The, yeah. <laughs> I was like, and this was the most interesting thing. And I think is probably yeah. what people would relate to in this game. Like, cause that's what, like, that's where you get like traction with like social media is this part of it. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's this position. I mean, in the books, this the snitch it was a golden snitch, and it would fly around the field. And Harry Potter's position seeker had to go and get it. And they pretty much released that right at the beginning of the game. It's so hard to catch. So like they'd play an entire game, and it was worth a ton of points. And it's a broken system. And if you read the actual rules of the game, the game doesn't make any sense. But in in our world, we we pretty much put it at 20 minutes. We call a timeout, and then the snitch comes out, and it's a person. And this is the part that sounds silly. He's got a little sock on his butt with a ball in it you got to go get that ball and that's hard because these people can be six foot five with my arms miles long and they're wrestlers or they're speedy people and you just can't catch them. And so you're basically doing a wrestling match while those other two games are going on. That's still happening. <laughs> you have this third game that starts and it's just a wrestling match out there and you're throwing people, you're flipping them, you're yanking the broom out. We got a guy in our sport who, you better have a whole extra supply of brooms because he'll snap them in half because those people don't want to let go and he's not going to let you like he's not going to let you close. So he's ripping your broom out, snapping them. Pieces are flying everywhere. He's throwing you down on the ground. And that's once that happens, all eyes look to that. Like two other games are still happening. Everyone on the sideline is looking at that snitch. It's a wild sport. So do I have to stay on my broom at all times? Yep. If I'm but if I stay on the broom, Jim, you have to have it between your legs. Like Yeah, yeah. that's what I mean. Okay. I got it. Okay. If I have a hold of the snitch and I'm wrestling for the snitch, can I get hit with the dodgeball? Yep. And I have to give up fighting for the snitch. Yep. But Ooh. that's where the strategy is like mm-hmm. the people trying to hit you with the ball are having to fight you know, if I'm the beater and I'm trying to hit you, I have to face another beater who doesn't want me to. And so there's this coordination 
There's so much coordination. We have like special calls, calls for it where it's like sometimes you want to get hit because if I have to throw that ball at you, that means I might lose it, lose control of that. And so there's there's a whole lot of strategies that can go into that. But yeah, it, you you kind of sit back and wait until you think you've got an opportunity to go and your beaters will clear a path for you and then you just send it. You just go. How many players are on a Quidditch team? So our game day roster is about 21 people. Um, most teams can you know, push it to that number. Um, but, you know, I've played with as little as 11 people on a team. And you have six, I got to count them out, six people on the field until that seeker comes out, you got a seventh. Um, so, you know, a third of your, of your team is on the field at any given time. And, you know, you're, you're sprinting. It's, it's, it's a lot of speed. Yeah, so I've watched like a couple of videos when I was looking at this and I was like, this is not a this is not a sport for somebody that is not in shape and able to just run because it was running the entire time it's it's like soccer on steroids is how i was looking at it because there's there's no like downtime and it didn't look like the field was large enough and there's not enough people on the field at one time where it's like you can loaf off to the side like it's oh, constant yeah. action <clears throat> it's it's interesting cuz like the college game is very much a sprint like one end of the other as soon as you get a ball, you, you're pretty much taking off and you're spinning and people are trying to tackle you. As you get a little older, you realize like, maybe I don't have to do that. Like maybe I can <laughs> slow down a little bit. Um, so like the community or the, the club scene is a little, little bit slower. Um, the team I played for has actually kind of been criticized a little bit for playing a little too slow, but um, we call it methodical. So <laughs> it's all how you phrase it. It is. It's all in the words. <laughs> yeah. But so it's, it's a load. Yeah, for for you when you say you you play slower, is this just you're you're all using more of the strategy to the game as opposed to just the pure physical prowess? Yeah, well, it's we want the ability to say like this is this is where everything favors us. Uh, an action has happened, or somebody's out of position, where I can go at a hundred and I can hit whoever I need to, but I'm putting every ounce of strength or speed I have into this moment but I'm not doing it just to get tackled. Like I, I need an opening here. And so, yeah, it's, it is slower, but it's, it's just smarter. Now, the one thing that I didn't like initially when I was doing some reading, doing some research, and then I started watching some of these videos, I did not realize the tackling and everything was part of it. Like I did not expect that. And then I started watching it. I was like, wait, wait, they're tackling. I, I didn't, that's not what I expected to see is that, Cause it's kind of got like a rugby feel to it in my mind. Like that's. Yeah. So I've never played <laughs> rugby, but um, the teams that I played on, we have this, this player, Casey Irwin, and she's hands down. Everyone, everyone looks to her and says like, she's the best tackler we've ever had in the sport. And like the, the challenge that we've always had in Quidditch is a lot of people know how to tackle. A lot of people know how to hit. You throw a shoulder into them and you wrap up mm-hmm. in Quidditch until very recently, it's always been a one-armed only tackle. So you have to wrap somebody up and, you know, Casey's five foot eight or something. Uh, and she's a strong lady, but there's a lot of big guys here and she'll bring them all down. No problem. Cause she's perfected the art of like wrap that one arm, fall, use everything, momentum, their weight against them, all of it. Um, but I've never been able to successfully tackle anybody. So I don't know how she does it, but yeah, it's, it's a tough thing to do with one arm, but that's, that's the change that's happened in the last, well, I guess not last year cause we didn't have a season, but um, the last two seasons we played will have had two two arm tackling which is a big point of discussion for us because we don't know you know most of our players aren't 
previous footballers or anything like that, right? So um, you're asking a lot of newer players to this athletic scene to sort of just get ready to wrap people up and bring them to the ground. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. How often are there tackles within a game? Is it happening pretty consistently or, okay. And yeah. that's what, that's what I couldn't get a gauge for. And I was like, watching those. this like, is this constantly happening or is this just here and there people get tackled? I'll say there's a tackle attempt on every play, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> but successful tackles where you bring them down. Um, that's, I mean, we, I'm trying to think of like how many possessions you have. And I would say a good game probably has 20 possessions each team. And you probably see a tackle on 25% of those, like a successful to the ground tackle. Yeah. You see so, a lot of hits. Okay, yeah. So just trying to knock people off without a yeah. tackle or an attempted tackle. Okay, cool. How many injuries with the tackles and the broomsticks do you see? I've only ever seen one injury from a broomstick. The tackles are a bigger deal than than other things because um, you'd, you'd think the stick would be in the way for everything. Yeah. It's really not. Um, I mean, I've had a stick between my legs for six years, which is a weird thing to say, but it's <laughs> I've maybe been bothered by it once. I, I can't even remember it. Um, so the sticks hardly have ever come into play. Um, I've only seen one injury from it. And then for tackles, it's it's less the tackles and more just the hits because you have quite a disparity of like sizes you know we have some freshman 18 year old players who are playing alongside me and i'm 34 right like there's no i don't really have a ton of business being on the same field as them um but yeah i mean we've, we've laid some hits against people who are really smaller and some people don't know how to take the tackles and you know we do a lot of alley-oop live passes where people are just full arms extended ready to to take that pass but then you're just exposed. I mean, we've seen it in every sport, but um, the injuries I would say are more from hits than anything to do with the broom. What is the broom made of? I mean, you said that it, sometimes it gets broken. Like, oh, yeah. that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. So it used to be like early on, it was literally whatever broom you could find. So they'd have like sweepers and stuff out there. Yeah. <laughs> um, they sort of standardized it to like wood brooms and then everything about that. It was actually the bristles. I've heard w when it was the wood brooms, the bristles were the things that were the most annoying. Um, so they wiped all that out, and now we just use a four-foot PVC pipe. So it's got some bend and some flex, and that's where that snap comes in. But, yeah, they're, they're pretty small, pretty light. All right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, <laughs> I, 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 I see Jim's heads. Like yeah. I could see like the questions are about to come to him. And I'm like, all right, buddy, spit it out. I know you got uh, a bunch in there. He's processing. <laughs> yeah. I'm still stuck on. So you're jumping up where the alley-oop passes and the stick has to stay there. So you're pinching that between your legs. Mm -hmm. And the stick's just out there. Like I can see people running into these sticks. I can see some people getting impaled. And you're telling me that doesn't happen. <laughs> I, I mean, I've played on, I've practiced every Sunday before the pandemic for six years, for five years, played on multiple teams, multiple tournaments. I mean, a couple hundred games at this point. And I really don't think that the stick is a problem. Okay. So you've won three national tournaments. Yeah, technically. <laughs> I'm on the team. I, <laughs> I don't You've want to pitch it as, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I'm a contributor, but I'm not the reason we won tournaments. 
Oh no, no, for this case you are. You're the reason. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I'm right. I won three. <laughs> right. The national tournaments the way it's broken down with divisions and the whole tournament structure appear to be like a major affair. Like they take up a whole month. Are they held in one place? Kind of explain how that breaks down for me. So for Major League Quidditch, it's well for both conferences or um sorry, leagues, both leagues that we have they're pretty much two-day tournaments. Um, and for U.S. Quidditch, it's not a whole month. It just it, it happens in April, and it's the thing that the entire country is building for. You know, I, I mentioned all those tournaments and all the games we play. We, we have this thing where, like, we want to win every tournament. We want to win every game. But if we lose them, it's not really a big deal to, to my team because we everyone knows the only goal to win is the national championship. And so, um, yeah, yeah. All the college teams, that the big thing is being able to qualify to travel so you can play teams that you haven't played that season. And so you pretty much have – I forget the numbers. The numbers change every year. But there was a point in time where you'd have like 64 college teams and 24 community teams. And so you have hundreds of people playing. And we had it here in Austin for two years and covered like nine fields, nine soccer fields. Wow. Um, just game after game after game. It's a huge community uh, volunteer coordination effort. So yeah, it's it's a wild thing, but it only takes about two days. But it it goes to the limit. Like they're ready to shut the lights off on us. I, I mean, that's what it seems like. It's it's a huge deal. Yeah, then, I mean, it's the only sellable point we have for a, a lot of these college teams. Because in some of the places, like Tennessee's got a, a college team, um, but there's like three of them. So it's it's hard to keep a lot of kids interested in that when you play the same teams multiple times. You're like sure. you want to play. Boise or UCLA comes out and you're like, hell yeah, I like get to play a cool college team. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. Um, I never would have, you know, known half the colleges existed if it wasn't for Quidditch. So it's a really cool experience. So with the pandemic, everything kind of stops. Yeah. It, it destroyed the 2020 nationals got wiped out because it happened right before that started. And then it's carried through this one. We're not going to have one for, for this year. So um, it costs us to, championship or sorry i said that like we we're gonna win them it cost us two tournaments <laughs> you were you were gonna win them That's yeah <laughs> but you had quidcon 2021 mm -hmm. i would like to know more about quidcon yeah so i i wasn't a part of the original kinds of quidcons they have i think they had actual physical um like a convention where people came out and, and did a lot of stuff uh, but this was a virtual convention and basically we just reach out to everybody in the community, people in the different leagues were putting, yeah, different leagues were putting together just panels. Um, so we had workshops on how to be a better coach, how to be a better, each of these positions had workshops. Um, I actually led a panel myself, which was basically just asking um, college kids what they thought of rule changes, because, you know, as, as a sport grows, you think of like any sport has the voices that are out there that you hear more than other people. Um, I can't think of, I only read like two Cowboys websites. So I know those voices, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so we had that same thing in Quidditch. So my goal with that was to say like, you know, these college kids also have some thoughts. <laughs> let's, sure. let's hear what they have to say. So it's just, there was probably 20 or 30 different panels. I don't lose count because they had so many. Wow. And so th there was a lot of participation in QuidCon. Did it fill the void for the pandemic? Yeah. I mean, anybody who loves sports probably 
would love whatever sport they're into, but Quidditch people love their sport and they're just craving anything. I mean, Major League Quidditch also did a virtual video game tournament, just like trying to fill that competitive space. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, people are just itching for any content that's, you know, not a repeat of what they've been seeing for the last year. So QuidCon was a really new and refreshing way to actually engage with them. It had, I'm not, obviously I don't play Quidditch, but just the advertising and what they seem to be offering for QuidCon had me like, yeah, this would, if they did this for any sport, this would be cool. So it, it seemed like they put a lot of thought into filling the void of what the pandemic has caused. Um, so I thought that was really neat. That's good on the Quidditch community for doing that. Um, I also want to talk about, this seems to be a very diverse and inclusive community in sport. It seems like it brings, no matter size, shape, background, it brings everybody together. And there are a lot of resources that Major League Soccer gives to its Major, teams. Major League Soccer, Jim? Major League Quidditch. <laughs> I'm thinking about... He said it was like soccer, and I can't get over yeah, it. Like, yeah. It's not like soccer. It's way different than soccer. I'm still stuck on that. But it gives you a lot of resources as far as for teams to be inclusive. And can you talk about like the makeup of your teams, the makeup of all these teams, and how inviting it is? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the the crux for a lot of players is you know there's there's talks of uh, toxic masculinity, you know, in a lot of the sports scene, and whether that's college or professional levels. Um, and Quidditch, very early on, we I mentioned whimsy, like it had this space that didn't sort of subscribe to that atmosphere. And so there's been a, a lot of history of being really open to a, this, this diverse group of people. Um, and they made it a point really early on to sort of solidify that in, in the philosophy of Quidditch. Um, so gender inclusivity, um, a lot of racial discussion, discussions on race, the topics of race, uh, sexism, all that. It's actually something we struggle with still. Like if, if you go onto our, our chat forums, like there's, there's daily or weekly, a pretty heavy conversation about that and how we're still, still lacking on a lot of that. Um, cause I don't, I don't know how you actually heard about this, but like we recently made just like a, a single post on ESPN sports center. Like there was a, a really cool highlight and featured a lot of our really exciting plays. Um, but we had to all sort of step back and say, like, it was mostly a bunch of white dudes scoring dunks. And as cool as it looked, like, that doesn't truly represent our sport because we're filled with everyone. And um, so the resources that are out there, we had multiple panels during this QuidCon to actually discuss that. Like, it's, it's a thing that um, I want to name drop christian barnes he's been one of the most vocal and outspoken people um, but there's a whole group of people who just are, are very outspoken and very brave to just always it doesn't matter what the what topic we're, we're actually on or what initiative we're, we're trying to move forward with to make the sport better they're very aware of how to make sure it stays inclusive and so you know you have a lot of transgender or people who identify as a gender outside the nor- traditional binary um a lot of players with that sort of community are, are taking, taking their space and like making sure that they're able to own that space in our sport. And that's just a very cool thing that it's cool to see the leadership of these conferences or these, I keep calling conferences, these leagues, like actually going out and supporting and making sure that they are recognized and that they feel safe in these spaces. Um, so that's, 
that's kind of a cool thing for me about what makes Quidditch a little bit different than some of these other sports because it's not drowning in that very macho masculine energy. Um, yeah. I yeah. would 100% agree. I, I would 100% agree. I think this gives an avenue for everyone. And while the rules and backstory are different, I think that that makes it very unique. And the fact that it's even that it's inclusive of everyone just adds to that. It just makes it a place for everyone. And I, I dig that a lot. When I was doing the research and, and reading about Major League Quidditch, it was like, I like this a lot because it, it mm-hmm. gives people an avenue to be with other people, no matter what, where they come from. And I love it. Yeah. I mean, I had always considered myself pretty open-minded. Um, but I think exposure is, is a key to, continuing that growth and Quidditch has given me that as much as anything else. So I love the competitive spirit of it. Um, and, and having that be such a, a big part of the sport itself is, is a very cool thing because, you know, we, I don't have anything back to the Cowboys, but I spend a ton of time on Cowboys and nothing like that ever comes up. Like football is not a space for that conversation. Um, so it's, it's, it's very cool. Um, I think w- one really good example of that is when, when I started Quidditch, we just referred to this thing called the gender rule. Like we have six players on the field. Um, and when I first started, it was the gender rule is that you have to have two women on the field. Mm-hmm. And we had to like change how you think of that and change the language around it to say, it's not that you have to have two women on the field. It's that you can't have more than four men, more than four of any gender. And that's this, change to just the language of saying like treating it as if you say like you have to have two women is sort of like a handicap like oh this is a negative thing yeah. or it's like actually no like you you have to change your pers- perspective on it and say like the rule is about maximizing the number of any particular gender not minimizing the impact of something mm-hmm. um so that kind of conversation is something that happens in our sport and i think that that's extremely cool yeah. fantastic and, yeah and i mean like you said the uh the best tackler on your team was at Casey, I think the name was. And you're just, you know, that was something that if Casey wasn't a supporter, you know, didn't feel safe. Like it was a safe space to be involved. Like you may not ever know that. Um, And that's just, I mean, it's really cool. And I think I saw, and I know us, the us Quidditch social media, I think is especially on on Instagram. I saw they're constantly um, highlighting different things. So like during black history month, they were, it was almost daily. I saw stuff during, you know, women's history month, which is in March uh, right now, I saw a lot of stuff and just a lot of inclusive discussions, language, and just education, which I think is fantastic to see. And, um, you know, I, I, like, I agree with Jim, this is really, really cool for me to see, you know, especially somebody who works in like a collegiate environment where these discussions are happening all of the time on a college campus. So seeing that put into, you know, put into action in other ways is always cool for me to see. My question to kind of, do you think you've stepped out of the shadow of the Harry Potter lore and kind of cut your own path? Have you separated Quidditch from Harry Potter? Well, that's the question that we fight over every, every week in our, in our discussions. Um, (laughs) I mean, we, we, we struggle with it because as long as we have Quidditch as a name and we have brooms and we have the snitch out there, right? Like, you're never going to break that association. And Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling has her own thing happening right now. Like, there's controversy around her. Right. Um, but, like, maybe the Harry Potter 
idea will will sort of fall to the side and the sport will just have enough people that have played it in, in their past like we're only 16 years old frisbee is much older you know you see i don't know if they've reached a cap or something i know they're always still growing but everyone knows what frisbee is or ultimate frisbee specifically and so like maybe we'll get to that point where enough people have played quidditch and you've got enough podcasts that are doing interviews about it and espn's done enough highlights that you can break that association enough mm-hmm. to where we can be just our own sport without the Harry Potter association. I don't think we're there yet. And I don't know when that can happen, but I guess the short answer is no, I don't think we're apart yet. And in some ways, if another Harry Potter movie comes out and it highlights Quidditch in the movie, your recruitment kind of goes up. Does it not? We think so. <laughs> so you're so different now. Yeah. yeah. You don't necessarily want to go away from it. Because you, you kind of need the, the yeah. numbers to go up until you're fully established by yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the struggle, right? Like, you yeah. drop Harry Potter and Quidditch, and you, you have this easy inbuilt or inroad to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, you know, what is, is it Fantastic Beasts, something like that? If that franchise continues, like, maybe you start this new generation of kids who are interested in Harry Potter. Because that's, that's how it started in, for us in the first place right all those kids reading those books started going to college wouldn't it be crazy if we played the sport yeah so you know we'll take it for sure because we're always willing to grow but we're very different now so if you saw exactly harry potter in the in the film and then you came out to our field and you know you see me ready to hit you like it's a different experience (laughs) right 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 um so how can we how can we help the sport grow what's it take to keep the sport growing aside from harry potter how can we get it to grow in Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia? So I, for me, the growth of the sports really just dependent on people understanding that like there's physicality here. Um, you know, Major League Quidditch, I play in Austin. We've got teams. We've got 15 teams, mostly basically from the Rockies over. Um, so Chicago, sorry, is it Detroit, Indianapolis, those, those cities have Major League Quidditch teams. Um, they're actually looking for their coaches in some of these cities. So they're ready to start ramping up, you know, with the vaccines rolling out. I think we have a really good chance of this really uh, positive season because so many people have been away for so long. Um, I know my workout groups have just been lighting up like people are, are amped, ready to go. So um, it's going to be a physical season. And I think helping people recognize that and that things like that ESPN highlight really help out people seeing like, oh, that, I don't know if I could do that. Like, that's a tough thing to do. Um, I think spreading that gospel like Quidditch players actually are athletes and continuing that conversation i think really helps the sport grow because people learn to take it serious because i've seen a lot of comments on twitter whenever we get televised i i searched on twitter for quidditch and there's some negative feedback there um a lot of people don't like it the stick is a hard thing for a lot of people to see past but um just take it serious give it a shot yeah well, it's 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 funny you bring that up because the way that this engagement for us actually started um, was a correction through our through our Twitter that Jim said something about you know hey, hey, hey this is Jim said it and it helped you know, get this discussion going. Jim's like, hey, you know, can you you know, maybe connect us with one of your wizards? And then ah. it was it was very quick. <laughs> the, the comment came back really quick. We can connect you with one of our athletes. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. It was absolute. Yeah. And they from have, there, uh... it was. It's been great. I mean, it took me down all this rabbit hole that I've learned so much. Oh yeah, I mean, my first th- 
that first year i i tell my teammates like i i didn't really take it that seriously like i didn't know it was going to be a thing um it was just something for me to do on sundays and i remember that first year i i just kind of rode the wave and was ready to go and then i went to nationals because to me it was just practice on sundays like we didn't really do that much i go to a couple of tournaments and then i went to nationals and we got they swept the floor like we got wiped out and after we lost i just remember sitting in that huddle and and our our, our coach augie um you could just tell like it just emotionally impacted him because he had won the, f- the last three years in college playing for ut austin so he was used to winning championships and then when we lost you could just look around and see how devastated people were and i was like oh this is a serious thing and so that next season i ended up losing like 20 pounds because i was like, working out all the time with them and we went on a string of three championships. So like it's, it turned around really well for us, but you know, I could play for a whole year before I took it seriously. So the fact that you turned around just on one tweet, is, <laughs> that's yeah. pretty massive. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mop, you got any other questions, buddy? Yeah, I think we've covered everything I had, you know, just for, for everybody out there, you know, follow, um, follow wrong with, with major league Quidditch. Um, on their their social media you know obviously uh, if you have any questions for us as follow-up maybe we can uh, reconnect with Juan later you know down the road maybe in a couple months just to kind of recap and see how 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 things are going like are are you guys playing are things happening like uh be really interested here in a few months just to kind of see um what type of action has has started for you yeah after after we win this this championship um, there you go yeah exactly back on this podcast and talk you through it there we go go. perfect perfect so thank you again Juan appreciate it this has been very eye-opening for I think and I know for myself and I think I can speak for Jim as well Um, so we appreciate you taking the time to do this and yeah we can definitely look forward to um, in the future maybe getting getting you and if you have others that would be interested maybe we can you know make this a semi-regular thing like every every couple months we check in with somebody from major league quidditch that'd be awesome i'm sure i mean quidditch people love to talk so i can send someone your way <laughs> perfect all right appreciate it Juan. thank you yeah no problem do you want to support a local business that puts care and thought into every project harper and company you can get t-shirts onesies and tea towels we even have real cute ones for Halloween. Harper and Company. Are you looking for a gift for your significant other? Think about a personalized wine glass. Harper and Company. Not sure what to get the family member that seems to have everything? Maybe get a decal they can put on their Yeti or laptop. Harper and Company. Want to spoil yourself with a gift because why the hell not? Harper and Company. Harper and Company is able to fulfill your custom gift needs at an affordable price interested follow harper and company on facebook to put together a gift plan that will have all of your friends and family wanting to call harper and and company and now it's time for the fast five fast five fast five three times three 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 speaking of threes up first on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, this, this league. league. Part Uno. Yeah, the leagues are getting hot and heavy. The leagues are. But speaking in the NBA, the trade deadline was last week. A lot happened. But really, did any of it matter, Jim? No, nah, none of it really mattered. 
because everybody's already done all of their doing. All the trades have already happened. And if it doesn't happen in a trade, it happens, you know, in free agency and other BS. The NBA trade trades don't matter in the NBA anymore. It's all behind the scenes deals and buyouts and BS. <laughs> okay. It's not like the NFL, but we'll get that to late, like that yeah. later. In uh, some moves that have happened, uh, Ray John Rondo goes to the Clippers from Atlanta. Atlanta gets Lou Williams and a couple Two second-round picks couple and second some cash. And cash. This is like sounds like baseball now where they start to- tossing cash around with deals. Everything in the trade deadline, all those big major trades that happened, all involved cash for the most part. About the cash. The Nuggets get Aaron Gordon. Mm. Not the Heat where they thought he was going to go. Yeah. The Magic Orlando. get... Uh, Gary Harris. Do you know who Gary mm-hmm. Harris is? Uh, no. Me either. RJ um, Hampton. Yeah. You know who he is? Also don't know. Yeah, me either. And a future first round pick. Hey, maybe somebody will remember. <laughs> so that was your two biggest. Now there are a bunch of trades, ladies and gentlemen, but those were the two highlights of this trade deadline. There you have it. Now let's get to the real hot and heavy of the nba the fun stuff yeah seven time all-star lamarcus aldridge is set to sign with the newest mega team the nets making it katie Kyrie, harden griffin and now aldridge the question i have muff is is this what katie does is this his new mmo like is he just can't hold a team by itself like you know LeBron did in Cleveland. He's got to go to mega teams. Wait, 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 wait. Yeah, I said it. LeBron went to a mega team in Cleveland. In Miami. Did he do it in Cleveland? He got a ring in Cleveland. There was no mega team. KD didn't, didn't have Ky- didn't he have Kyrie on his team? Was Kyrie the mega star then? Or was he just starting oh, out? Oh, oh, so so Kyrie is not a good player? It was not I'm a good sorry. player then? I'm sorry, one, two, three, four, five stars. Was there five stars in Cleveland? You're going to no. say Marcus Aldridge is a star? The, the internet is, ESPN is, the mm. world is, Muff. And Blake Griffin, also a star? That's what the world says. I'm just telling you what the world mm. says. Okay. Anyway, K- KD has got some heat recently saying that he can't carry the team. So this is what he's got to do. And KD did not take to that kindly. And we all know what KD does on Twitter and the he social media. He jumps medias. on six burners and, and... is a crybaby. <laughs> Bingo. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, here we go. Get another super team, see what happens. At this point, we may as well just get ready for there only being like three or four teams that have a legitimate shot of winning the NBA title year to year if this is what's going to happen. Yeah, probably. And this is the way the game is played. This is what we got to get used to. Speaking of a star on the Nets. I've decided this is my guy. (laughs) James Harden is your guy? This is my guy, but I'm only going to make him my temporary guy. And we'll see how it plays out. Okay. So talk about your guy then. He's on my temporary uh, probation list. We're going to see how he's a prospect for my guy. How about that? Okay. So So James Harden could rise to Joe Kelly status for you? 
he might. We'll see. Okay. Right. He says he is the MVP after scoring 44 points against the Pistons. Yeah, he's asked, do I feel I belong in it? I feel like I am the MVP. I mean, it's just that simple. I don't want to speak individually on myself. I'm just going to leave it at that. That man gets the Brass Balls Award from me. Good from for you. you. Good for you. Is it? Did I, just hear, did I just hear a new award? Yeah, I'm giving it to him. Cha-ching, Brass Ball Award to you, Mr. Harden. Mm. All the crap that these NBA players have to like mince their words or Kyrie goes out there burning incense and I don't want to talk to the media. James Harden says, get off me. I am the MVP. Come at me, bro. Good for you, James. I don't know if you're the MVP or not. But this, you got my vote. You got my vote. All right. Moving on to another person that feels they have not just MVP status, but maybe best ever status. Draymond Draymond Green comes out and says that he's the best defensive player ever in the NBA. I, How does this man... He just keeps having these outrageous statements, and sometimes I'm with him, but I think this time he's got to step back. Like, <laughs> it was a tall, a tall comment. I'll give you that, but I think he has to say that stuff to get himself hyped up. So I think he this, he he needs his own hype machine I, yeah, internally. I think, I think he has to do that. I think what that's what separates him from Harden is Harmon Harden. I'm sorry. His points and his stats back up what he says. Draymond, he has to back up in his brain what he thinks is happening. Right, which is why this is why it doesn't play well because it's like, oh, now you're just talking nonsense, buddy. Yeah, but he doesn't care. He doesn't, and that's why it's funny. Draymond don't care what you say. Draymond says what Draymond says. He does. He's he's just like Kyrie burning incense on the court. I don't care what you think. I'm gonna do it. But I I love that. I love that because you are your biggest fan, Muff. That's the way it's supposed to be. Good for him. Okay. Oh, oh hum. We got a lot of, some other stuff here, buddy. Roll, roll on through it. Andre Drummond plans to sign with the Lakers, coming from Cleveland. Apparently, that's a big deal in the NBA world. Is what it is. It's not, you know, the Lakers aren't six players deep with 27 All-Stars, but whatever. You know, Nets looking at UKD. Doc Rivers, though, he says that the Lakers and the Clippers are still the team in the West to beat. I don't know why that's news. But Doc, he's stirring his, you know, pot. Look at him go. To me, the biggest news here, mm-hmm. out of all this league nonsense... The Thunder shut down Al Harford for the season with 28 games to go as they focus on younger talent. And old Al is okay with this. That is a weird position to be in. He's still collecting a paycheck, yeah? A lot of money. Mm-hmm. 53 mil. And they're shutting him down. And he's like, yeah, I'm just going to help the young guys. And then I'm going to hope that they trade me to a better position next year. What team's going to sign this guy if he's taking that position? Like, if he's taking that stance? What's the difference of him being shut down by the team in a holdout? I I don't know. To me, this is like throwing in the towel. 
Like, ah, I'm going to sit and let the young guys play. Like, where's the, where's the fire? Uh, maybe there's more to this. Maybe he has some nagging injuries that nobody knows about. That's, I guess. I'll, I'll but they it. said this was the plan all along when they signed him this year. Mm. I don't like this. This is a bad look, for, in my opinion. Alright. Next up, this guy who's never was on the probation list for our guy. <laughs> he was our guy. Yep. Pop. Old Popovich. Third coach in NBA history to hit 1,300 wins, beating the Bulls 120 to 104. Muff, have you seen his hair? I haven't seen it recently, but, I mean, I know it was long. I love it. <laughs> he looks even more fantastic. Like, I like Pop's style. I like the way he he does business. But with that long hair, not going to Barber, obviously trying to avoid the COVID, he should rock that forever. The long locks in the back gives him like status character and that man's not short on character anyway but nope i love it it's great yep. and the last order of business unfortunately nba legend elgin baylor did die this past week so rest in peace to a legend in mm-hmm. the nba community up next on this week's fast five fast five fast five this league part de the nfl Ugh. So much drama. So much drama. They've decided they're going to have a 17th game and the league's going nuts. Even though they agreed to this and the Players Association and blah, blah, blah. Everybody Everybody's knew mad this about happening. it. I mean, the writing was on the wall with the TV deal. Yeah. Everybody knew this was happening. It's been a discussion for over a year. Like, seriously discussion for over a year. Once the TV deal came out, did you not think that the TV and Disney and everybody that's Amazon didn't agree to that without knowing if that 17th game was going to be in there. Come on. And they're all mad about it. Players are coming out of the woodwork. Like your player reps agreed to this, that the possibility could happen. Mm-hmm. Like, come on guys. They're mad. They got Instagram and Twitter posts about oh, it. Al- Alvin Kamara was, he was hot. Of, he was one of the first ones to come out and say something about it. But I 17 games. Come on guys. Like, Maybe next time you tell your union reps, hey, we're not doing it, and we, you guys stay united on it. That's just uh, my thought. I think there's some preseason stuff that's changing up a little bit, too, with all of this. I think that's going to be part of the trade-off. Um, they, and, and they all agree to that, too. Right. And that's what I'm saying. There's That extra game is being offset in some way by, I think, off-season conditioning, OTAs, and I think mm-hmm. the preseason as well. So, oh, well. Do what you got to do. Yeah. We had some pretty – Big moves as far as upcoming draft and picks here, yeah? Yeah, I. but you're going to ask me to explain that, and I a lot has happened that it's hard to keep track of. Okay, so big thing that we get from this, from one of these moves, is the 49ers moving up in this year's draft. Yep. They trade their 12th pick, a third-round pick, and a first-round pick in 2022 and 2023 to Miami for the number three overall pick in this year's draft. With no intention of getting rid of Jimmy is what they're reporting. That's what they're saying. There's no reason to go up to number three unless you're getting a quarterback. Let's be real. So they're going to get one, sit him and ride with Jimmy is a thought. You know, they, they might be, Tossing out the idea that, you know, like Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, have somebody in there that can show him the ropes for a year or two and 
move on and see how they can come into the game. So eh, it's, it's possible. That's not, it's not what we're seeing in the NFL. They're typically coming in and being expected to go from day one, but this could be, could be different. Who do they take? At number three, mm-hmm. everybody's high on Wilson right now. Yeah. And this did happen shortly after his pro day. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to connect some dots there and think that may be who they're trading up to get. Beginning of the week, there was rumors that this was Fields' landing spot. Mm-hmm. That like came out real quick, and then it just dissipated like a fart in the wind. It was gone. And then it was all about Wilson. So I think you're right. The pro day is what did this. I agree. Fields is still Carolina's guy, I think. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, but we'll see. I I thought this was a weird move for the 49ers to say, I'm keeping Jimmy. And but we're, we're getting gonna, rid of all this. Yeah, that was <laughs> For weird. this one pick. I think Jimmy might go to New England again. There's some discussion there, but Jim, why is he going to go to New England? I thought they're set. Cam needs a backup. Oh, so you don't think Jimmy's going to come in to take that spot? Cam needs a backup, my guy. Cam will be the backup if Jimmy G comes into town. <laughs> um, and we had a separate deal between Miami and Philadelphia. I got confused on this one. I don't understand what the what the point was in the for Philly here. So explain this. Okay, so Miami gets the number six pick in this draft from Philadelphia, correct? Yep. After they traded. Down to 12, they now traded back up to 6 by giving away their 2022 first-round pick. Right, and then they swapped some other mid middling mid-round rounds. stuff. Yeah. So they're just building draft capital. I mean, that's that's what's going on here. But what was um, in it for Philly? Like, what was the point? What was for Philly? Yeah. So... Philly, what did they get out of this? They got stuff next Some year. Mid round and next year. So they're yeah. saying they're essentially saying it hurts their guy. That's that's what it looks like. They're they're gonna roll with him at least for one year. That's um, a bold move. I mean, they could probably still find somebody. It's a draft, it's a quarterback heavy class. They might still be able to get somebody later on. Twelve? Yeah, there's still gonna be somebody there. Maybe well, not the ones we're talking about, but they would could you still... go with Jalen Hurt? Or the number six pick in this draft? I'm asking you. Six? Yeah. Because that's what got traded here. Yeah, I mean, I think Philadelphia's got bigger bigger fish to fry than just at the quarterback position. Um, they've got to rebuild a franchise of sorts. There's a lot of things that have happened over the last year. And don't you rebuild a franchise around a quarterback? Uh, but here you go, Jim. In 2022... This is what they're looking at right now. So as part of the Carson Wentz situation, if Carson Wentz plays at least 75% of the snaps this year in Indy or 70% in the Colts make the playoffs, the Eagles will earn another first round pick in 2022, giving them three first round picks in 2022. They're building their draft capital for next year. So they're going to jets this. They're going to tank. If they're going to tank, but I mean, it doesn't look like they're actively working towards being super competitive this year. Got it. Okay. Yeah. All right. You've opened my eyes here. Yeah. So, uh, in other area, Tampa will have all 22 starters back. 
next year, if I remember reading this, because they yeah. signed they signed Leonard Fournette. So Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things. What do you think he does? Do you think he gets them all in the room and is like, drink the Kool Aid, and they're like they're just all right, Tom. I think Tom, Tom's he's he's like, he's doing what the NBA does just in a whole different level because he's got to think of like how this, he's got twenty two starters to figure out. Who do I want in the room with me? Oh yes, restructure my deal. <laughs> I mean, I honestly think he has some kind of magic. He controls Gronk. Like, who controls Gronk? Tom controls Gronk. Right, because Tom Tom is able to guarantee Gronk's going to be able to play football and win. So he controls Gronk. Like, Gronk to me is like Bluto on Animal House. <laughs> like, there's no control on him, but Tom does. That's weird. That's some That's drinking okay. the Kool-Aid stuff. Well, way to go, Tom. Way to go. Right? Yeah, no, hey. If there's one thing he's good at, he's good at building a team around him. You want world peace? Put Tom Brady in the room. Let Tom do it. Let, Let Tom, Tom do it. Do it. Um, had a little bit of, I would say, drama involving the Steelers in some way. Um, defensive That's a tackle. weird situation we're about to get into. Yeah. So after Don't initially. Don't stiller this up. Oh, we steal this up? Don't I mean, stiller this up. After initially agreeing to terms with the Jaguars, defensive tackle Tyson Alu Alu. Changes his mind and says, "Nay, nay, nay, bring me back to Title Town." Um, there it is. <laughs> I mean, you knew I was going to do it. Yeah. Um, apparently, the situation played out that he was delayed in his travel to get wherever he was going, and then Cam Hayward stepped in and was like, "Hey, man, stay here, stay with us. We're going to do it. I swear." So, I'm gonna clear this up a tad. You did good. You did good. Really, really, what I'm getting from this is an Ohio State alum just totally screwed Urban Meyer. Exactly. First of all, <laughs> yes. This so, Ohio State on Ohio State crime is what this was. That was. Tyson ended up getting COVID and couldn't go to the Jaguars mm-hmm. for 10 days. In the meantime, Cam Hayward was like, hey, we need you. Mind you, one is defensive, one is offensive. I don't know why that was a thing, but like Cam said, hey, the team needs you. And Tyson was like, all right. And said, hey, Jags, I changed my mind. And signed with the Steelers for a little less money than he would have gotten at the Jags. Hey, they they got uh, Juju to stick around for less money. Apparently Baltimore was willing to offer him more money than he was getting with Pittsburgh, and he says stay with Pittsburgh. So apparently, maybe Cam Hayward's the Tom Brady of Pittsburgh. That was what I was gonna say. Maybe the purple Kool Aid made it to Pittsburgh. Cam's doing his thing. Um, and the last bit on the NFL information that came out: the NFL is not going to require coaches and players, etc., to get the COVID vaccine. So yeah. that's what I expected anyway. But interesting that that comes out and it makes news. Yeah, I agree. That's interesting. Yeah. Why it even made news. Yeah. And next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Graham. March Madness continues. Start with the women, Muff. They deserve it. So we've got uh, 
some matchups, the Elite Eight matchups uh, starting to take form in the women's tournament. Um, we already have a matchup between number two Baylor and number one Connecticut um, in the Elite Eight. I can't um, wait to see that. Yeah, with Paige Beckers getting in there, who apparently Paige Beckers also has a tie to Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. Hmm. Like they have known each other for years. Um, I, don't, I, I didn't get it if they like grew up in the same area, went like whatever, just kind of met each other at camps and stuff. But it was like a story that I was watching the Gonzaga game and they like brought it up. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Um, they stay in touch. So that's, that's a cool story. Um, we also have number four, Indiana taking on Arizona as a three seed. Big 10, baby. Let's go, IU. Baby. And number one seed South Carolina will be taking on the winner of Texas Maryland matchup. Um, Don Staley, the head coach of South Carolina, came out this week with a statement um, about diversity in coaching within the women's game. Call attention to the need for more women of color as in those positions as about 50% of the players are people of color. Um, and being able to connect with those players and understand the different struggles that people have coming from different um, backgrounds and different experiences, um, you know, kind of calling attention to it's more than just saying, do the right thing. Like you have to understand some of the, the background situations and how people get to be in a position um, in the college game. And, you know, it's, it's not just as simple as, you know, somebody going out there and say, hey do the right thing guys don't do bad things you have to like be able to actually connect with those players sympathize empathize with them um so okay i i, I agree with that statement a lot mm-hmm. i agree i love don staley mm-hmm. i think she's a fantastic coach um but i also think there are some fine coaches white women coaches who can reach out and touch players of other backgrounds too. No, I agree. You know what I mean? So I don't want to rule that out, but I agree with the general premise of her statement. Yeah. And in the last game, we've got number one seed Stanford going to take on the winner of the Oregon Louisville game. So who do I want in that one? Who do you want in that one? Yeah. Which one? I think I like Oregon. You want Oregon Louisville? Yeah. I think I want Oregon. Get yep. The Ducks, the yep. Ducks, the only, the only team that has a trademark logo. Yeah, the Ducks. Or from, yeah. I don't know. It was a trivia thing that your wife did for us that one time, and I forget what the the question was. Moving on to the men's tournament, we've got in the Elite Eight, we've got number twelve seed Oregon State taking on the Houston Cougars, Oregon State. They took out Sister Jean, Jim. They took out Loyal and Sister Jean. What are you going to do? I I don't know if I can forgive them for this. Um, I like it. Cinderella story. I'm about it. Either way, it was going to be a Cinderella story. Why? Because Sister? Yeah. What was Loyola ranked? Loyola was like a 8 or a 9. Cinderella starts at 12, buddy. Oh, okay. Get out of here. Whatever. In uh, the other, another match. I'm just not a fan of the sister. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, I'm gonna get all kinds of hate for that, but I'm just not a fan. You can pack up your bags and go straight to Hades for that I'm one. Sorry, buddy. Another game. We've got a three seed Arkansas taking on Baylor. 
Baylor out of the Big 12. Okay. Let's see where that one ends up. Um, we've got Gonzaga winners this weekend, the Sweet 16, taking on the winner of the Oregon-USC game, which is going on right now as we record. So um, Gonzaga, I watched their game. They're just tough, tough team. Um, but I am out on Mark Few right now, their head coach, because he came out in a statement and said that the NCAA is rock stars for how they put on the tourney and the fact that they were able to do this through in a time of COVID. All right. Another so person, uh, another person, another team. Yeah. Another person that's just tone deaf to everything else that's going on. Yep. Like we don't, let's, let's not inflate the ego of the NCAA here. People, they've got bigger things to get with. And we get in on that later, don't we? But yep. I am now anti Gonzaga for this tournament. You're anti another school with a Catholic lean. Good job, buddy. Gonzaga is a Jesuit, is a Jesuit institution. Ah, uh, I mean, that's not my intention, but I know it's coming out that way. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And in the last game, we will have one seed Michigan taking on the university of California at Los Angeles. Jim winners in overtime over Alabama on Sunday. Go big 10. Oh, oh really? All right. I, I didn't expect that to come out of your mouth. Um, and a news piece of news that I caught a hold of, and this kind of shows the impact of success in the tournament for schools. Um, Abilene Christian president shared that their win over Texas may be worth up to $120 million to the program and the conference all said and done. And this is why it's important for these teams to get in there and be successful, what they can get from this monetarily. As if we didn't already know that it all comes back to money, that's the type of money that they can see all said and done from there. How? I don't know all of the ins and outs of how, but if you just like think of the um, the football championships, Jim, the teams that make it to the playoff, how much money do they get? $120 million? I don't know where all of this is coming from. I think they're saying there's there's other things residual that are going to happen down on the line, like exposure of the program. Maybe they'll start getting some additional gifts and donors and stuff like that. Um, I don't feel like this is all just from the NCAA. I think they're saying total impact on the program could be this. Um, but How much conference... of that do you think the kids are going to see? Well, speaking of their student athletes, if there's buildings, they would have benefit from that. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, you get to use the building for two years, kids. That's about 120 freaking million dollars. Two years. This yeah. is four, these are four inch, four year institutions, Jim. Yeah, and basketball players stay there for four years, right? Guess what, Jim? If they ain't staying there for four years, it means they're about to go make a whole bunch more money in the NBA. They still earn that 120 million dollars. A lot of people earn money for their companies and their organizations. They don't see any of that, Jim. Look and at a lot Walmart. Of, and a lot Look of at Walmart. Co- Look at Walmart. <laughs> and those Walmart employees have benefits. It adds up to $120 million. And retirements. If we're going to treat them as employees and use that comparison, let's give let's give them hey. uh, that compensation, Mom. Hey, why, don't, why don't you just jump on a call with uh, Mark Emmert here and just get this He probably wouldn't him. take my call. He doesn't take the athletes' calls. We get into that, too. Come on. <laughs> 
And next on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five, other sports are happening. Things are going on. Yeah. So first and foremost, NASCAR goes to dirt tomorrow. Okay. Okay. Are they really going to dirt or do they just put clay over top of a track, buddy? Yeah. What you said. (laughs) So it's cool because I want to see NASCAR on dirt. Uh, They're doing it at Bristol. It was supposed to happen today, Sunday, but of course, rain ruined that. Um, Kyle Larson, remember him? He has the pole of the race. Mm-hmm. It'll be at four o'clock on Monday. You'll probably listen to this on Tuesday, so you'll know who the winner is. But as we record, it's rained out. Be at four o'clock tomorrow. I'm gonna watch after work. We'll see what happens. Next up, Kevin Na says, na na na, brah. You want to explain that or you want to wait for your take, Muff? Why am I going to get into this whenever I already talk about it, buddy? Well, if you want to hear more about Kevin Na saying na na na, listen to Na 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 to DJ, to, as as people are calling him, Dustin Gretzky. Listen to that. uh, Keep listening to the episode for uh, Muff's take on it. Yeah. The NHL had some had some things happening this week, buddy. Yeah. So we got we have a a new homer this week, Emily, who talks a little bit about Blue Jackets hockey. But before we even got to the weekend, the NHL fired an official, Jim. Tim yeah. Peel. Tim Peel got caught on a hot mic saying, "No, I'm calling it on him, <laughs> calling a penalty that apparently." was looked at as a makeup call, even though there wasn't a lot there in an attempt to get a penalty on another team. The team that had the penalty called on them happened to be winning at the time. um, And there didn't seem to be a lot of justification. The NHL responded very quickly by firing him the next day for the integrity of the game. I agree with firing him. I think that there, this is not, like he's not a unicorn. I think there are a lot of officials out there in a lot of sports that do this makeup call BS. It's unfortunate that COVID had to expose this one individual because I think it should happen a lot more. But good for the NHL for taking the hard stance. I agree. I think this is a, I think this is a cop out by the NHL. They know this is going on already. This isn't just Tim Peel doing this. The man was retiring at the end of the year. I don't know about firing him. Oh, what is it is well it is well established that these makeup calls happen in hockey. Their their penalties from game to game are pretty similar that team to team it's usually if this team has two or three then this team's going to have two or three penalties in a game. This is nothing new. He just got happened to get picked up on the hot mic. Suspend him. Got to do yeah, but I also don't think the NHL has been policing this. So, Cheating is only cheating if you got caught. This man was cheating. He got caught. Whatever. I disagree. Moving on, Oscar De La Hoya is returning to the ring, Jim, at the ripe age of 48. A multi-fight deal with Triller, his first fight being on July 3rd. This is the one and only time I will agree with Dana White. <laughs> he's got a Coke dealer he's got to pay off. And he's going back to the fight game. 
it's unfortunate that we're seeing all of these older fighters get back into the ring right now. This is not. This can't be good for them. This is stupid. This is real bad. <clears throat> it's gonna take somebody, unfortunately, getting very, very badly hurt in the ring for this to stop happening. This is so stupid. So stupid. And last on this week's Fast Five, Fast Five, Fast Five. Bam. UFC time, baby. Francis Naganu knocks out Stipe Miocic for the UFC Heavyweight Championship last night, Muff. Second round knockout. Mm-hmm. Francis had knocked out four, four other fighters within like the first 57 seconds prior to this. Mm-hmm. It was a massive knockout. Um, basically, sets his claim as this is his world now, the heavyweight division. Yep. Because um, Stipe was one of the, if not the most decorated heavyweight champion. Yes, and mm-hmm. Stipe had beaten him before. Yeah. Um, I when you read the breakdown of the fight, Stipe kind of overplayed the second round a little bit. And probably should have slowed down, but the man's a fighter and he got his bell rung. And it is what it is. Um, it's what happens in the fight game. Yeah. So, obviously, Mr. Francis says he wants John Jones next. John says, I'll fight if the money's right. Dana hears that and says, John better go to uh, middleweight if he sees that fight. He must be scared, more or less. And uh, John says, I've dropped out a light heavyweight to gain weight to fight heavyweight. I'm not scared. I'm just not going to fight somebody and not get paid. Like, Dana is such a hype man and is the worst negotiator in the world. John is obviously trying to fight the man, but he's not going to get hit in the face for chump change. This is the fight everybody wants to see. Like, come on. Uh, we also got to make sure John can actually get into the fight. Uh, I mean, tends that's going to... Gonna, tends to be an issue for him. That's definitely going to be the card that Dana plays. Cokehead Jones is is definitely hurting himself with his past reputation. But brass tacks, I want to see the fight. And if I want to see the fight, you know it's sellable. Mm-hmm. But what about our guy? Derek Lewis. Derek the Beast. Derek's beaten Francis. Yeah. So, in my mind, give me Derek versus Francis before John Jones. I understand that's the fight everybody wants to see is John Jones versus Francis. But by all accounts, give me Derek Lewis. Even if it's a warm up fight, if you want to look at it as a warm up fight, Derek deserves a shot. I understand why they don't want to do it because they don't oh, want yeah. him, they don't want him to get beaten and then stop this Jones fight. But think about that: Derek Lewis destroys Francis, maybe just knocks him out, maybe just wins by decision. John Jones beats on Derek, or Derek beats John Jones. Like that's a triangle that you can play out for the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. You make your money, and you don't have to pay John Jones some mega cash. Francis also wants to go into boxing, though. Mm. So he's going to do the Conor McGregor thing and yeah. try to get because he's trying to fight. fight. Uh, what's that? Who's he trying to fight? Fury. Fury. 
Yeah. So. Hey, I mean, you got that on the table too. Go for that money grab, man. Yeah. Not to, I'm not gonna say no to it if that's what he's gonna be able to get with it. Yeah, and I think Dana has to tread lightly on how he books the fights to make the right money. So we'll see what happens. I think ultimately we'll pull off the Francis Jones fight probably late summer, early fall. We'll see that fight. And that wraps up this week's Fat Five, Fat Five, Fast Five. Bram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the Homer segment. Oh! All right. This week I brought some reinforcements. I'm tired of the Yinzers on here. I'm bringing one of the. Oh. What? You want to go down south side? Get the I'm just tired of the, of the Yinzers. I have too many mm. new Pittsburgh people on here. And I'm going to bring in some Ohio people. My friend, Miss Emily Frost. Say hello, Emily. Hello, everyone. We're going to get into her background and why she's qualified as the Homer um, here in a second. But I'm going to kick us off with some Ohio State news, Muff. Oh, I'm tired of Ohio State news. How about we cut that out? No, not going to happen, Muff. <laughs> not going to happen. I haven't talked about football, though, in a while. And it's getting to be that time of year, the spring game. Spring game is April 17th. Um, No tickets to our fans yet. Our gracious governor, Mr. DeWine, has bent some rules. And he's allowing people to come to events, as Emily will speak on, I hope. And there's talk that the Big Ten is going to loosen restrictions for all spring games for college football. So Ohio people are talking about maybe going to the spring game. Gene Smith, the athletic director for Ohio State, is saying uh, he's not ready to sell tickets as of yet, but he's hoping to get family, coaches' families, possible first responders um, into the spring game. So that's good news. I'm excited. Um some you, things... you sound very excited. I am excited, Muff. I have to work that day, but I'm still excited. Um, some things to know that are good for Ohio State going into the spring game. Some big receivers are coming back. Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Demario McCall. Great. Fantastic. Some battles that you need to know about. The running back. It's Master Teague versus the world or the Young Bucks. Um, we have some freshmen coming in. Evan Pryor. Trayvon Henderson that are basically staking their claim at the running back uh, title. Master Teague is also rumored to maybe and this is all the fans talking coaches are saying that's not going to happen but maybe Master Teague will be a linebacker. There's some depth depth issues we will talk about here in a second. So going both ways? Is that the discussion? That's, that's what the fans want. That's the rumor. Um the biggest question mark is who in the hell is going to be the quarterback? It, nobody knows. Um, there's C.J. Stroud, there's Jack Miller the third, and there's Kyle McCord. Um, all three viable options. Um, nobody knows. It's a it's a giant battle, so we'll see. Who do you think? I would like to see the Kyle McCord kid get it. He's third right now, but overall, I think there's more future in him the more athletic of the three, the pro-typical West Coast quarterback. Lastly, some bad news. 
Senior defensive tackle Haskell Garrett is out for the spring. He's the man who got shot in the face, if anybody remembers. He was breaking up an altercation and took a bullet through the cheek. And he is out this spring for an unknown injury. Hoping it's not complications with the bullet to the face. But we don't know. But he's out for the spring. Back to the linebacker to wrap this up. The linebacking position is uh, weak. They've lost their four top uh, tacklers. All were linebackers. They've all moved on. And senior linebacker Dallas Gant is out with a foot injury for the spring. And he was the one who had the most experience. And he was a backup. So there's a lot of leadership issues and depth on defense that is a major concern for Ohio State. Muff, what say you? I'm waiting. I, you know, there's always the hype of the blue white games the same way. Always the hype around the spring game, and I'm, I just don't get into the spring game hype. It's just uh, nothing I get into. I mean, you're I get doing it. it wrong. No, I, I'm apparently not doing it wrong for myself. But uh, not, I'm just, I just don't get into the hype. I mean, I, I pay attention to it. I'll read the post stuff for Penn State, and I'll look at some other, some other notable games, but. I just the spring games have never been something I get into. So call me a bad sports fan, but it is what it is. That could be why Penn State loses a lot. You don't get into the game. I, I'm sure that my fandom is what makes Penn State not do well this past year. In my house, we believe that. If I don't get into the game, they lose. So <laughs> Emily, what say you? Um, you know, I, I'm not really a big spring game fan <gasps> person either. No offense. Um, <laughs> you thought you were bringing somebody in here to gang up on me. Little did you know. <laughs> I just don't like, it's just, they're playing each other. Like I get it. I want them all to win. So I like the Buckeyes either way. So there you go. it's hard there to root go. for one team or the other. Cause it's the same team. Do you watch the spring game? Um, I mean, it's, it's on Saturday, right? Yeah. It'll be nice outside, and you know it'll be on a TV somewhere on a patio. Yeah. See, that's all that matters to me. <laughs> she she watches it, therefore she's into it. That's all that matters. But so, she doesn't she doesn't care about it too much. Just she does care because so it's clear. on. Shut up, Muff. Clear. Shut up, Muff. So put that out there again. So, <laughs> shut up. And we'll move on to Emily, my backup, my support. Yeah. My yep. fellow Ohioan. Go Bucks. I have tried my my darndest to be a Blue Jackets fan and get into hockey. I'm not a big hockey aficionado. I moved to Columbus five years ago. I got into the Blue Jackets by proxy because I was friends with you. Yep. I went to my first Blue Jackets hockey game with you. Yep. Give us a little bit of background as to why you are the homer for us when it comes to the Blue Jackets. Yeah, so the I don't know how many people listening know, but uh, the Plenty. Blue Jackets um, started in 2000. So uh, this is their 20th anniversary season. Um, I was eight years old when that started, and um, it was a new cool thing in town. So my family got season tickets, and we had season tickets my whole life pretty much growing up. Um, so that kind of plays into what I'm about to say um, about my experience going to a game once they reopened public access to games. But um, yeah, my dad and I have a routine when it comes to Blue Jackets games. Um, 
my, I don't think my dad missed a game for the first 14 years that they played. Um, so once I went to college, I mean, I went to University of Dayton, so I wasn't always here. So I stopped going to games then, but back into it now. Um, they're having a rough go of it, but yeah. um, hopefully it's just, you know, a fluke since it's a weird year with COVID and everything like that. But um, yeah, I've all I've known is the Blue Jackets. I've lived in Columbus my entire life. I'm not really a huge football person. Um, so Ohio State is really the only other major sport besides the Columbus crew in town. Um, so I always felt like a little bit of an outcast being a Blue Jackets fan. Um, but they're a good team. They're um, the, the people on the team is what I like most. I'm not really like a big – I don't think I'll be able to sit here and tell you guys like stats like, oh, yeah, they're – gonna make the playoffs if they win the next five games I don't know I don't know that kind of stuff but I do know that Nick Foligno is the best captain we've ever had John Torello is a great coach no matter what people are saying about him right now um so I'm more of an emotional and personal type fan not really a big stat fan that works so that's what you'll hear from me uh if we continue the Blue Jackets part of this uh (laughs) segment (laughs) so my question is since you have been back since the COVID restrictions. What was it like? Yeah. Um, so my dad and I have a quarter season ticket. So the way they they have full season, half season, quarter season. So we're the lowest on the totem pole. Um, when it first opened up, I believe they let in 10% of the guests, which is around 1,800 people. Um, so those tickets went to full season ticket holders pretty much instantly. Uh, nobody got into that first round. Um, I believe they gave some tickets to like first responders and, you know, doctors and stuff like that. Um, but really it was only full season ticket holders. Um, and then when the, the DeWine increased to 25%, I think it was. And that was by like the second game that they were letting people into. And I think, so that game was like March 9th. We found out like the Friday before that game, our season ticket holder rep called us and was like, hey, I know you didn't get a chance first time around. Um, What game do you want? You get to choose one game. Um, So we chose the March 9th game because my dad's birthday was on the 10th. Um, It was just weird. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, Because my dad and I have a ritual pretty much every single game we go to. We go in, get a drink go down, watch the warm-up, which is my absolute favorite part of the whole game (laughs) Um, because you get to see all the personalities of players. It's just so much fun. They're all dancing to the music. Um, We run up to the the little lottery station, buy some scratch-offs in between the warm-up and the opening, the national anthem, uh, do our scratch-offs, and then walk up to our seats. And by the time we get to our seats, it's the national anthem. But this time, they literally filter you in um, you had to take a test beforehand, you know, questionnaire saying you didn't have COVID, all that kind of stuff. Um, you weren't allowed to bring even a purse in at all. It was very strict on what you could bring. You could literally only bring your cell phone and like a credit card. Um, we walk in, everything like is closed pretty much. There's only one station for getting drinks and food. Um, so we got a drink, tried to go to the warm up. They told us no people were allowed to watch the warm up. Um, and nothing else was open down there. So all we could do is go up and sit in our seats, which is like 20 minutes between uh, what we would, we would normally be running around and doing all of our fun activities and 
So we just sat in our seats, um, twiddling our thumbs for 20 minutes. Um, they didn't really have like much going on, like on the TV, like the big screen to entertain people even. Um, so we were just, I mean, we were happy to be there, but we were bummed. Like we, cause we just were very, um, superstitious. So not doing like our pregame ritual just felt wrong. Um, Jim, Jim, you can sympathize with that, oh, that stuff. a little absolutely. bit, I think, just a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent. Like yeah, right now, we... I'm going. That's why they're. In, that's why they're having the yeah. season they're having. Emily's not getting her lottery tickets. <laughs> like that's exactly right. Yep, exactly. That's how I felt too. Honestly, well, and they ended up losing that game. Um, but I think so. Being a fan for the last twenty years, the one thing my dad always told me was, "You never leave a game early." And you never boo your own team. You can boo the refs all day. You have to boo the refs, but you never boo your own team. So, I mean, the Blue Jackets weren't even losing by that much. I think we were maybe losing by one goal. And it was the third period, and they were on the power play, and they were just doing bad on the power play. And in my opinion, that's when everybody should be, like, chanting, like, let's go Jackets or CBJ or one of the chants to get them going. The whole arena, all 4,000 people in there started booing the Blue Jackets. I was shocked. I was like, wow. these people waited to get tickets and were like lucky to be in here because it's such a small amount of people that can come in and that's what they decide to do. Like I, I could, like my, my dad and I looked at each other, we were like, are these people really booing their own team? Like once we're lucky to be here, like it was. It was disappointing. That's surreal. Um, Sounds like also, you're in Philadelphia. Right. <laughs> that stuff doesn't really happen in Columbus. Yeah. I mean, most of the time our fans are pretty happy people, but I think with everybody being so locked up for the past year and just not having any outlets, like they're just angry. Like Blue Jackets fans are just angry right now. Like, yeah. I'm in a lot of online, like Facebook groups, and everybody's just like, fire this person, fire this person, trade the whole team. Like, they're just they have a lot of time on their hands and are just angry. Um, but yeah, another big uh, letdown was they didn't have the Skyline Chili Station open. And I always get Skyline Chili cheese fries. So that I think that's another reason why they lost because I didn't get to eat those. So, <laughs> so are you, you're, a Sky, you're a Skyline Chili fan? I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, they, they are a sponsor of the Blue Jackets. So they have like these massive bowls of fries like they're not like the normal ones that you would get at an actual skyline. Um, so I haven't had these fries in over a year and I like, they're just, they're diff- There's something different about the arena fries versus a real life fry. So um, that was really disappointing. That was probably the worst part of the whole game. <laughs> not the nope. booing, no fries, <laughs> no warm ups, no scratch off ticket. Yes. Yeah, downhill. Like terrible you wonder experience. why they lost <laughs> But I am going to another game uh, April yeah. 27th. So if it's right. better, I'll let you guys know. You should. So I got a couple questions. Did they fire the cannons when they scored? Yes. Okay. Because that, we'll that. that was what we missed was the firing of the cannons. Yeah. They continued doing that even when there were no fans in the arena. And then you know how um, the NHL did that bubble uh, playoff last year they yeah. even brought the sound so when the blue jackets were technically the home team they brought that sound to the toronto arena too so the players could still hear it cool, cool. yeah 
How do you feel about the coach? Do you do you think he's a hard ass as the media projects him? Oh yeah. I mean, but that's who that's why we hired him in the first place. Like that's just who he is. I mean, he's trying to build a he wants to build a team. He doesn't like when people come out as, oh, I'm the superstar of this team. Like, it's not about that. He doesn't want anybody to be a superstar. Um, but where John Tortorella wins is when he has a training camp and he can get everybody into one room and teach them, like, at the beginning of the season. And, like, I think he didn't get a training camp this year because mm-hmm. of COVID. The players aren't – honestly, the Blue Jackets usually do better on the road because when the guys are all together, like, they create – I don't know. They bond. Synergy. Yeah. Like, so since they've all been in separate hotel rooms and stuff this year, they haven't, they don't go out to team dinners anymore this year. Like I think the blue jackets are just that type of personality of a team that like needs to be a team. Like we don't have any players that are good enough to be individual players, (laughs) honestly. Yeah. Um, we work best when we're a team so that we just haven't had a chance to do that this year. I hear on the on the radio a lot of talk about how he's a really nice guy this Tortorello and he, he's he's a hard ass yeah but he butts heads with these star players like Lane and all of that yeah so i mean everybody's saying that's why Panarin left that's why Duchesne left yeah uh that's why PLD left um but i mean i guess you have to at, where do you draw the line like yeah. Do you want a player? I mean, yeah, we want talent. And, like, how do we keep talent? That's one thing I <laughs> I think about often. I, don't, I just sit here and <laughs> wonder, like, why why does this happen to us? Um, <laughs> because I want a good team. And I, I think he's there, – because there's so many guys, like uh, Michael Delzato, who has followed him from team to team and has nothing but great things to say about him. But Delzato is not a superstar. Like, Mm -hmm. and he never will be no offense to him. If he's ever going to listen to this, Um, (laughs) he, he's a, he's just a good team player and he, he does good things in certain times, but he's not always going to be a superstar. So I don't know. It's, it's a, you have to find that weird balance, but I don't, this is the end of Tortorella's contract this year. And a lot of people are saying he wants to retire. So I think that problem will just solve itself at the end of this season. So, so will you be upset if he leaves? Um, I really like him as a coach. This year has been—he's been stubborn a lot of the time, mm-hmm. and I think his time is—he's been here for five years, which is I think he's the longest coach we've ever had, uh, honestly. So, I don't know. I mean. I'm just, I'm going to let fate take it. Whatever happens, <laughs> happens. And that hopefully that's the right thing. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Do you have any other Jackets news you would like to tell us about? No, I think um, that's a good start for me. We'll <laughs> keep it there and then maybe in the future we'll have more news. Oh, absolutely. I think you are now taking the role of the Jackets homer and I'm not going to talk about the Jackets anymore. I'll take it. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> so Muff... What do you got there, buddy? Well, you know, I'm stepping outside of the comfort zone. Um, yeah. We're going to go into the soccer realm. Not mm-hmm. even just soccer, but collegiate women's soccer. Look at you. Look at me go. So uh, going with the Penn State theme here. Oh, talking almost trash about me and Ohio State. Look at you, Muff. You only talk about Ohio State football. I've never, in wrestling, maybe, 
if they're good enough to beat Penn State, which doesn't happen often, but you okay, do what Muff. you got to do. Okay, Muff. <clears throat> Penn State women's soccer, uh, with a win on Sunday, 3-0 over Nebraska, clinched the Big Ten regular season title. Uh, they're currently ranked ninth in the nation, and this is their 20th Big Ten championship, Jim. 20th. That's a lot of championships. That's a lot. That's a lot of championships. Uh, they've won eight of their last nine matches. Their only non-win was a draw in the last nine, and I will say that was against Ohio State. So oh. that. they didn't lose. They tied. Okay. Um, and this is all after they started the season with a 3-2 loss to Rutgers. Who? Uh, Who'd they lose to? Jim, this isn't football. They lost to their rival? They lost to they lost to Rutgers. I don't know. Penn if State's Rutgers. rival, Rutgers? You, you can keep banging that drum. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Calm down there, guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, really, it's this quick, quick hitter for me as far as the homer is Penn State women's soccer uh, going into the Big Ten tournament as the one seed, uh, nine team in the nation. See if they can make a run, maybe challenge some of those traditional strongholds in women's soccer like the University of North Carolina. So, when, Do you know when the national championship is for soccer? Uh, I'm I hate to put you on blast like this. It's in April. Okay. All right. Do you know where it's at? Jim. I know. I'm, I'm not just trying to do this. Penn State like, women's soccer. I don't, I don't like, know if it's a bubble situation. I don't know how they're doing anything with that. I would uh, just like to know because like, if it was nearby and they had fans, like we could go to that. We could report to, from that like live. <laughs> we could report? Yeah. Because we're Why authorities not? on soccer, which we have we could try many times told the world we are not an authority on soccer. Well, you just know Scott's going to say something about this, so like I want to make be sure, like, hey, we could do this if we wanted to. Maybe. Well, Scott's going to say something, and then I'm going to ask him when the last soccer game he went to was. Get him. Get him. So is that all you got, Muff? Listen, let's get quick, quick with it. I appreciate that. Emily did a fantastic job was thorough and you come in with this this little blurb about soccer so <laughs> thank you emily oh you know i could just revert back to like penn state football steelers go with what you know muff jim i've been waiting 20 years to talk about the blue jackets though so i had 20 years worth of content hey you're on my Ready. team you're on my team i brought you in yeah, have my back see, this <laughs> look at this backfired on you so hard <laughs> and i'm all here for it <laughs> Emily, I appreciate you being on. You are fantastic. Uh, Muff, try harder. You know, I'm going to try harder. I, I, I don't have 20 years worth of <laughs> knowledge waiting about Penn State women's soccer. But I don't have 20 years of pent-up knowledge, Jim, but they do have 20 Big Ten championships. Ooh, oh, look at you. Right in the kissa. <laughs> but Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again, Emily. And that's that's the homer. That's the Homer. It's the take of the week. To take of the week. It's that time where you hear us talk about things that we may be passionate about or that we try to be passionate about. So this week, my take of the week, Jim, takes us to the golf course. All right. Surprise, surprise. I know. You haven't been there for your take of the week, so I'm, I'm excited. It's, you know, you're not wrong. So um, this actually is, I'm going to call it a hot take. It's just a, it's just a take. Um, if anybody was in the golf news at all this week, um, last week, 
during the one, first or second round of the World Golf Championships uh, Dell Technologies match play, you probably saw that Kevin Na got into Dustin Johnson's ear about a uh, a putt that DJ picked up uh, before Kevin Na had conceded it to him. Um, a little bit about match playing golf, because I think this is a good preface for this. And I know, Jim, you think you have questions that will probably arise from some of this. Um, match play is a 1v1. So it is quite exactly what it is. It's a match versus with two people. Um, you get a point if you win a hole outright. So if you have the best score in a hole, you get a point. And the goal is to accumulate enough points that you win the match um, throughout that. So if you're up three with two holes left, then you win because the person can't come back. So ties don't do anything. They don't carry over. If they tie a hole, it's just no blood and you just go to the next hole. Um, The format again, allows for competition between players where normally golf is you're playing against the field. So you're doing your best to score your best to hopefully be in the hunt at the end of, at the end of the, the tournament. But uh, match play is literally 18 holes, one V one let's go. Um, this is the only event in the PGA right now that is match play format. Um, you also have um the Ryder Cup, but that is not necessarily a PGA event. Um, it's an international competition, um, the United States versus the world or Europe. Um, and that's where usually people usually get their match play fix. Uh, this current format started in 2016. Um, and there are a lot of players that enjoy it because it's kind of a breakup from the norm. Um, <clears throat> it was actually something that's interesting is the PGA championship. So the, the fourth major that nobody really talks about, um, was actually a match play event until 1958. So it used to actually help decide a major champion throughout the year. All of this to say, Kevin Na made a point after Dustin Johnson putted up to it was less than a foot. You can concede a putt to somebody and just say, pick it up, it's good, and move on to the next hole. Um, that's one of the the differences in match plays. You don't have to hole out every shot. Um, so you can pick up your ball at any point and concede the hole, or you can tell a player, you know, that putt's good, pick it up. Dustin Johnson had picked up his ball before Kevin Na had said, yeah, that putt's good. Um, and Kevin Na basically made a point before they got to the next tee um, to go up to Dustin Johnson and be like, hey, just so you know, man, I didn't give that to you. I'm not going to put the screws to you here because technically he could have assessed a penalty for that and Kevin Na could have won the hole because they actually tied the hole. Um, and Kevin Na could have done that and made that his thing. Uh, he decided not to. I mean, it was less than a foot. He was going to give it to him anyway. He just hadn't said the words yet before Dustin Johnson picked up the ball. Um, th- I saw this blow up in the media. I know you even saw it, Jim, which – seem means to me that it blew up in the media if you saw golf yeah um and at the time and this is where the match play comes in kevin Na was actually down by one when all when this all this went down match play to me is just as much a mental competition not just between you and yourself on the golf course um, but also can be 
between you and the other player because you are match you quite literally matching them shot for shot and i think there's a little bit more of games you can play as far as what's my strategy what am i going to do this whole you can actually put pressure on a player based on what you were doing so if you're winning and you're more conservative you're forcing that player to make want to make shots and to try to score um, birdies, eagles, whatever it may be, um, as opposed to just going out and maybe playing the regular stroke play game, which would be like, hey, I want to get pars, and I'm going to toss in a birdie here and there, and then just continue to grow my score. Match play, you see people maybe get more aggressive or play a little bit less aggressive at different times. Um, so to me, what I saw this for Kevin Na is he was down one. He you know, made a point to get the DJ before they got to the next tee um, and see like, hey, you know, I'm not going to do this to you, but listen, I didn't give that to you. So it is what it is. Um, and I think this was his attempt, uh, not only just to point it out, but also to take that time to talk to DJ and maybe try to get in his head a little bit and potentially, I don't want to say DJ doesn't get really angry on the golf course. Um, but I think it was something that maybe, maybe did something because Kevin actually went on to win that match. Um, and at so the time, you think it was a tactic to help? I think that's, I think that's what it should have been or could have been in this case. Um, I am, he never came out and said anything. I mean, he actually, Kevin actually came out later and said, eh, I probably could have talked to him on the way to the next tee box. Um, but I wanted to do it before we left that hole. Um, so I think there is some gamesmanship to this. I mean, he's like, Hey, you know, I could, I could assess you penalty there and I could win this hole, but I'm not going to do that. Like just make sure we do this. So I don't have to get in this position with you where I, maybe have to assess a penalty to you later on. Um, so I, I just thought it was cool, but my take here is really that Kevin Na was more than justified to do what he did. I mean, there was an option there. Um, he could have done a whole lot worse by assessing a penalty. And I think this actually helped him win the match and knock out Dustin Johnson, the number one player in the world from this tournament. Uh, Dustin Johnson is not traditionally a, a match play person like he doesn't do well in match play because he's more of a grinder you know he's that stroke play kind of guy just like he's the guy that's winning in nascar the points race but not every individual race so that's how you become the number one to play in the world not just by winning tournaments but by playing consistently well um so there's my take kevin Na, do what you got to do i love match play now let's move on and let's get ready for the master's gym the master's Two things I got to ask. Yep. Why aren't there more match play? <clears throat> because it's outside of what people consider a traditional format. Um, it does also potentially take more time because mm. you've got to think that's that many individual matches. No, not it's the individual matches. So if there's 200 people in the field, you've got to play matches to get it down to the final two. Got it. So I think it could, it can be time consuming. There's only so many players that are um, invited to these events. This is one of the world golf championship events. So there's only so many players that are invited. Um, so I, I think that it's one of those things like, Hey, it's cool. Do it once. And then everybody get ready for the Ryder cup. And it kind of breaks up the monotony a little bit right before the masters. Cause it's, it's it is scheduled usually a couple of weeks before the Masters, so it's kind of like a a different a different different thing. It's kind of like a final tune up, and um, I think it's mixes up the schedule. I don't want to make this another take and go like take for take take for take for take for take, but I didn't like the way the media portrayed Nah as kind of a whiny 
I like the way your take is and that this was tactical. This was strategic. ESPN did not do Nani favors and kind of made him look like a little whiny uh, Bia. Mm-hmm. And I did not like that, which is why I was like, Muff, explain this. Yeah, that's... I mean, I've played in match play events before, and there were people that would be like, hey, you got to putt everything. And there's other people who are like, yeah, you're fine. Actually, one time when I was younger, so it was like high school aged, I was in a match play event against somebody, and this he, the guy's like, hey, it was like a two-foot putt. You think you can make that putt? I was like, yeah. He's like, well, then prove it to me and make it. I was like, all right, don't be an idiot. Like, <laughs> it was dumb. I ended up losing the match, but not because of that, but... Fair enough. Well, I'm going to let that be. I feel like we could go on for hours for that because I, I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the whole match play. No, I liked the whole thing. So I dug in way deeper than I should have gotten a rabbit hole. <laughs> but I'll move on. So my take of the week, um, this may sound like deja vu, but it's not my fault. If there's anybody to blame, it's the NCAA and Mark Emmert, the president of the NCAA. So this week, specifically yesterday, Saturday, the NCAA Board of Governor Chairman gave Mr. Emmert a vote of confidence. Um, they're pleased. He hired an outside firm to investigate the hot topics of last week, which is the women's tournament not being equal to the men's and the uh, amenities that were given. Um, they're happy he's taking serious measures to address the issue. Emmert told the Associated Press that the lack of communication between staff and the main focus being on COVID protocols led to the oversight and inequities. Budgets for the men were twice that of the women, but Emmert says that does not take into account the $16 million spent on COVID precautions for the women. Wait. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a mathematician here, but like... Hey, wait, we spent money on COVID. That should count. Doesn't sound like a good excuse for me. But he goes on to say some other shit, too. And yes, I said shit because it literally is just horse shit. <laughs> he, he just started getting diary of the mouth. <laughs> Which is the huge problem. And for me, if I was a board president, to vote a vote of confidence after he says this is ludicrous. <laughs> so, quote, We know that we've had decades of undervaluing women's sports throughout the entire sports spectrum. So you've known for decades. Got it. We need to think we need to think through how we address that. You think? We need to think through how we want to more aggressively support and promote women's sports. I don't know. Maybe you call both of the tournaments March Madness instead of only promoting one as March Madness and calling the other a tournament. He also says we failed to deliver things they earned and deserved. Duh. He says, <laughs> are you, are you going to stop at each statement and be like, I dumb. might, you're I'm getting dumb. fired up. Be dumb. You're stupid. Beg, I beg them to understand that this does not reflect how they are valued and how much we care about their success as athletes and young women. Then what do you want them to understand? Hey, we gave you a 30 pound set of dumbbells and some, you know, takeout leftovers while everybody else was eating fine dining how do you want them to think of it i you know what i i don't think the, the term i don't think i've heard yet in this statement is the student portion of student athlete no we haven't even addressed that they're also students 
this is the this is the capper for me because he said a lot of other things, but like this is the capper. It's been deeply frustrating and disappointing. My staff in San Antonio has been working so unbelievably hard. Those two cents right there, like my blood's through the roof. Deeply frustrating, and disappointing. To whom, Mark? To you and your staff? They've been working real hard. Have they? Have they, Mark? Well, Jim. Now let's 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 hold back here a second. Maybe they have been working unbelievably hard because instead of a hundred people, maybe they only have ten down there. So they have to work unbelievably hard. Sure. But if they think they're the only ones disappointed, be that student athlete who came down there to, you know, lift some weights up to 30 pounds and eat some, you know, lunch lady meat. <laughs> Moving on. This should be a moment we're celebrating the return of college sports. I agree. That's the first statement of all of this. I've agreed with him. Celebrating our ability to celebrating our ability, as in the NCAA, to pull off championships in the midst of a pandemic and do it well. Well, you failed. Instead, we're having this conversation. It's just disappointing and frustrating for everybody. I agree with that statement. It's disappointing and frustrating for everybody. Okay? So my take, the fact of the matter is, Emmert's not going anywhere. The board loves him because he's doing the right thing, quote, quote. But change is needed. He seems tone deaf. The NCAA is proving that it's just a failing king trying to keep a hold of its grasp on the kingdom. I think it's time to dethrone the king for the betterment of the people. And let's like progress the NCAA. Or here's a thought. Get rid of the NCAA. That's my take of the week. Oh. Oh. So uh, I'm going to toss something out here for you, buddy. Did you know that Mark Emmert is also dodging a meeting with three men's players that they want to meet with him before the end of the tournament, the men's tournament, uh, and they want to talk about the name image likeness legislation. And he's like, well, we can talk about this after the tournament. Now is not the time. Yeah, he's got to focus, Muff. COVID, he's got to focus. Here is my thought. These are the, these are the not the they're not the only three players the only three men men's players I'm sure there's others but they're the ones that uh, so it's Jordan Bohannon from Iowa, um, the Livers from Michigan the the player that's out for the tournament he's probably not gonna, he's unlikely to play he got hurt I think towards the end of the season mm-hmm. uh, I forget who the third player is but <clears throat> these are the the guys that started the hashtag not NCAA property that came out. Um, my thought here is, why doesn't Mark Emmert use this opportunity not just to talk about that with these players, but hey, let's also invite a few women's players into this and let's have a real discussion that we can all talk about. Instead, I think the guys are like, it's almost like they're trying to take the spotlight again. And I'm like, guys, no, you do something better. Don't do this. Because Mark would, that would have to take brain power from Mark. In fact, I remember like, you know, during college football season, we had a guy named Kevin, you know, remember him? I think he could do this a lot better than Mark could. And that's Ooh. a statement right what? there. What? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say it. Kevin could do a better job than Mark. Yikes. Kevin has some forethought. <laughs> Explain. 
Kevin actually does a little bit of work. It, it might be bad work, but he puts some work into thinking ahead. It's the wrong decision, but he thinks ahead. Mark just seems like he's just running off by the seat of his pants. And if he screws up, he's like, I screwed up, but COVID. COVID. <clears throat> so I, I, uh, I put out a tweet about this last week that I was watching a telecast uh, of one of the basketball games. I forget which game it was. I think it was on Sunday night. Um, and I forget who the announcer was. It may have been, I forget who it was, but they are like, oh, we want to praise the people in the NCAA for all the fine work they've done for this tournament and like how it's going off very well. And I'm just like, did that really come out of this person's mouth? Like, you just praised the the people that are also in charge of the women's tournament, like by name, the person that also oversees basketball operations for the women's tournament. And I was like, how are you going to do this guy? I was, I was kind of heated. I was like, how's this? Should be. How is this normal? Why should, how did this come out of somebody's mouth with all of the problems that have been going on over the past couple of weeks? I will promise you this and I'll end take of the week. The problem with the whole thing is the tournament will come and go and the topic will fade away, right? Mm-hmm. Like most hot buttons, if some the news cycle will make this be the bottom of the barrel, then it will fade away. Yeah, I promise you that I will point out every misstep the NCAA does for women's sports as long as we have a podcast. I promise you. There's not enough time, Jim. I, I every episode, if I find one, Mark. I will be a thorn in your damn side. I'm not going to let this die. I promise. Just ask Kevin. I didn't let him go. I'm not letting Mark go. You're on my list, Mark. And that's the take of the week. Well, we're back again with another goddamn segment. Uh, this week's the goddamn bears. Uh, Living true to Jets form uh, a few years ago in 2017, they drafted uh, Mitchell Trubisky. They traded up for him from the number three pick um, with San Francisco, I believe. And then San Francisco drafted a, a lineman. But in that draft, they passed up on Deshaun Watson, uh, Patrick Mahomes, and I think Christian McCaffrey was in that draft as well were the, the top prospects that um, all were good positions that they passed up for Trubisky didn't pan out um, just like the Chets. They have terrible luck drafting apparently. Uh, but this is really just the bears front office. Pierce is just doing a terrible job and they tried to make a play for Russell Wilson, but they ended up with, the uh, the ginger god Andy Dalton, uh, yeah. What Andy Dalton do in Cincinnati? And he actually had receivers there. He never won a playoff game. Didn't do anything in Dallas last year. But hey, they got Andy Dalton. So you know, Ditka, Polish sausage. That's all that Chicago's good for, anyways. So the goddamn Bears. Muff, we have a new segment. New segment alert, new segment alert, new, new, new segment alert. But before we begin the new segment, Muff, mm-hmm. do you like cheese? 
you know, I'm I'm a fan of the cheese, a fan of things from Wisconsin. Do you make charcuterie boards? I can't say that I make the old charcuterie board. Have you heard of Sardis, Ohio? I have heard of Sardis, Ohio. Well, do you know what's in Sardis, Ohio? Sardines. Abel's cheese. Oh, cheese. <laughs> They're known for their cheese selections, and they are now bridging the gap between old school cheese and making new school sales practices. You can now order their fantastic cheese at ablecheese.com. So now, let's start the new segment. This new segment, Muff. Is it brought to you? Is it brought to us by Abel's Cheese? <laughs> eh, kind of. Okay. It's called, our new segment is called, Out of Time. Mm-hmm. The premise of this segment is we're going to do hypothetical time travel. Okay. We're going mm-hmm. to afford us the ability to hop into our DeLoreans. Mm-hmm. And we are going to maybe, wink, wink, do a little hypothetical uh, what ifs. Okay. What would have happened if? See, what had happened was. Right. I don't know if you've seen the tweets, Muff, but uh, there's some talk of what's the greatest lineup in basketball ever. If you could pick people from different areas and put them on the same team. Right. All right. Did you see that? I've seen some of it. What did you see? I saw Shaq. Always Shaq, right? It's always Shaq always starts it, and then Charles is usually not far behind. But I didn't see Charles come into play on this one yet. Charles hasn't spoke on this yet. Yep. Ch- Chuck's Chuck's too busy watching NCAA basketball right now. <laughs> that's that's true. And uh, and 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 choosing Alabama. Yeah. Chuck Chuck came out Chuck and did. said, if Alabama wins the national championship, he will wear a Bear Bryant cap. Ooh. Chuck went to Auburn, Jim. I know. That's a big deal. I know. I'm excited. It's a big deal. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to Shaq and what he said. <laughs> okay. Shaq said the best lineup is Allen Iverson, mm-hmm. Kobe Bryant, yep. Michael Jordan, yep. LeBron James, mm-hmm. and of course Shaq. Of course. He has to put himself in there. Of course, some other people agree with him. LeBron, he, you know... Allen Iverson, um, I think even D Wade said that the, this lineup is, you know, the lineup. So let's get in our uh, DeLoreans. Okay. Muff. <laughs> go back in time. Go mm-hmm. forward in time. Go wherever you want. What is your best lineup? I don't know if I can go forward in time on this one, can I? It's if you want. If you want okay. to go get uh, LeBron's son. It's your call. You get old Bronny? Yeah. I don't think I'm going for Bronny. Uh, if I was going to put together my best lineup, mm-hmm. if I could pick and choose from all over the place, Michael Jordan's on the list. We don't. It's done. Michael Jordan's there. Um, Kobe and LeBron are both there. Magic Johnson is going to be running the point for me. And then I'm going to bring Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain in on this. Okay. That's going to be my five. All right. I I don't disagree with you there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Magic. Mm-hmm. MJ. Yep. The Birdman Bird. Okay. Larry Bird. 
LeBron, Kobe, mm-hmm. and I chose to pick up a sixth man in my DeLorean. No, oh, did you? I chose Iverson as my sixth oh. man. Okay. Yeah, because you're just building super teams over here. I mean, if I mean we, both, we it, both are. <laughs> that's the whole premise of the segment right now, so <laughs> I figure why not. So those are our lineups. What did you think of Shaq's? Shaq? Uh, I mean, didn't you and Shaq pretty much have the same lineup? Pretty close. Pretty close. I uh, I wasn't a big fan of Shaq being on the team. Well, it's also his team. So he's, pl- he's, pl- he's player. That. He's player coach. Yeah, I he's did like not Jack- like that. He's like Jackie Moon from the best Will, Mer- Will Ferrell movie ever, Semi Pro. You're wrong. <laughs> but other than that, I I don't disagree with him. I had a hard time disagreeing with Shaq this time. So, what did you think, though? What about did, Shaq? Yeah, because well, mine and Shaq's is close. So, what did you think? Um, obviously, I'm Kobe, MJ, and LeBron are on mine. Uh, I didn't have Allen Iverson. Um, just and this is the thing is we're putting together a super team. We're also putting together a blend of personalities. I think here. Okay. Um, and even for me, it was tough to justify putting like. MJ, LeBron, and Kobe on the same team. Now, LeBron, I think, and Magic are similar players in the way of how they play the game. They can play different positions. They can run the point. They can post up. They can do a whole bunch of different things. Kobe and MJ, though, those are both just stone-cold killers on the court. And do they coexist well? I think they do. I don't think that's your issue. I think Iverson, and he's on my team. I, I I'm not going to knock it, but if mm-hmm. we're going to base it on personality, I think Iverson and Kobe or Iverson and MJ are your personality conflicts. LeBron is, he'll gel with anybody. I think he's got the basketball mind that he'll fit with anyone. Mm-hmm. But I think Iverson against the other two killers, that's your well, issue. Iverson went at it by himself his whole career. Right. Like when, you, when you're talking about the, Iverson willed his team mm-hmm. and Iverson alone was willing that team. He really didn't have many pieces around him. Yeah. He was, you know, trying to do stuff and build it around Philadelphia and Philadelphia just couldn't make it work for him. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he did well, don't get me wrong, but I just don't, Alan Iverson, he's also a, a point guard scorer, which again, I don't think that suits this, this all time because he's going to have the ball in his hand most of the time. And he's still going to be trying to score. And I don't think he. I don't think he gels. I just don't think he gels with. That's these why he's types. my sixth man. I agree with you. He comes in. He's a microwave off the bench, heating up. What do you think about uh, Steph? Could he fit in any of these iterations? <laughs> oh yeah, Steph Curry fits somewhere in there. Um, that's, Could he be you know, your sixth man? He's he's going to be my sixth man. I would you, think now so. that you have a sixth man, he's he's mine. Yeah. Steph Curry's my sixth man coming in off the bench, and he can, like I said, he can run the point. Um, he can light it up, and he can spread out the defense in a different way. I got one last question before we end this lovely segment. Is Shaq the hype that he makes himself out to be? As far as being a good player? I mean, he, he, he wants to put himself as the GOAT. Is he GOAT level? Is he in the talk of all-time well, great? You All-time great now. 
Okay. I mean, he he was a transcendent talent. He brought a whole bunch to the game, but he also played a position that's no longer – it's a dead position in the league now. You don't have a true center that's really sitting out there. Wilt Chamberlain was on mine, and even that was potentially a stretch because of the way the game's played now, but I just don't think I can leave Wilt Chamberlain off a list okay. for me in an all-time lineup. All right. Well, that wraps up the out-of-time segment. If you would like to hear some – fantasy booking maybe you want to hear us talk about tyson versus ali maybe you Mm -hmm. want to uh throw out king kong versus godzilla i don't know it's your call we're gonna hop in the time machine at the end of the set or in every one of these segments and uh do the what ifs and we're gonna call it the out of time so get pumped hashtag out of time take us home buff Take us home. Take us home. <laughs> Take us home. Well, we had a great episode today. Had a couple guests. Did some some chat about some non-conventional sports as well, aka Quidditch. So, as always, everybody, get out there, spread the word, do your thing. Follow us at Sports Gym Muff on Instagram and Twitter. And while you're doing that, tell a friend, make a friend, be a friend.